Hello and welcome to the 20th of September edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by the Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with kind permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and with me today are Catherine, Pam and Jane as readers, John Plush as recording engineer and Carol Hartle on copying and admin. Any regular readers will probably notice that one of our regular readers, sorry, any regular listeners will notice that one of our regular readers, Phil, is not with us today. And I'd like to extend a warm welcome to Pam, who has stepped in to replace him this week. And I'm away next month, so Pam will be replacing me. So you'll hear her for two months in a row. I'd also like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include a list of useful telephone numbers, what's on locally, the headline stories, general news stories, some sport, obituaries, thought for the day, lighting up times and the birthdays. And if we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add you to the birthday file. Do also send us your feedback, good and bad, we can cope, as the team here wants to make the recording as pleasurable and relevant as possible for you. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. So we'll start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane has and will supply. Police Non-Emergency 101, Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111, Worcester Hub for Council Matters 01905 765 765, Worcester Live which has details of what's on at the Swan Theatre, Huntingdon Hall and Henry Sandon Hall. 01905-611-427 Malvern Theatres 01684-892277 Samaritans, now a free phone number 116123 Here at Colin Chance House 01905 Seven six seven seven six six. Thank you, Jane. I now have a selection of what's on locally over the next week. So the World War One People's Exhibition continues and runs until the end of September. It's located in the Henry Sandon Hall foyer and is open from eight to eight weekdays and nine till five weekends and is free to enter. This Saturday, the 22nd, from 12 till 2, the Worcestershire Pride Parade is taking place in Cathedral Square, Worcester. And also on this Saturday, the Worcester Dragon Boat Festival returns. It runs from 10 until 5pm, and well, as well as the usual races, there will be cultural performances, vendors, food, music and other activities. Next week at the Swan Theatre, the Worcester Repertory Company presents Lost the Plot. Described as a dark comedy, it's a play written by local playwright Nick Wilkes. It starts at 7.45pm and is £13. All next week, the University of Worcester is hosting Active Ageing Week to help promote successful ageing within all domains of life. 
There'll be talks, workshops and physical activity taster sessions. The aim is to inspire wellness, celebrate active ageing and to connect older adults across Worcestershire to physical activity and adapted sports sessions. A couple of other items. On Monday the 24th of September, I thought this sounded very interesting, an organisation called Got to Sing Contemporary Choirs is inviting people to an open rehearsal at Wood Green Evangelical Church, that's Hastings Drive, WR4OSR. It's 7.30 till 9pm. They will teach you by ear, so you do not need to read music, and they don't hold auditions. So it's obviously very welcoming and an open um, session there for anyone who wants to go. And finally, on Tuesday the 25th of next week, the Howard Robinson History Talks, one of those is on at the Henry Sandon Hall. The talk explores our country's path to democracy and is entitled Where England's Sorrows Began, and that's Poic 1642 apparently, and where they happily ended Worcester 1651. That starts at 7.30pm and costs £7.50 to include a drink. And finally, sorry, there was one more thing. Uh, this is a brief article which talks about what is happening throughout the autumn um, via the Worcester Live connection. And Jane did mention the number, but you can now get a brochure which will um, enable you to see what's going on throughout the autumn. And I'm just looking for the link. It's a phone number six, sorry, 01905 611 and they'll send you out one free of charge. There are three venues and it would appear that there's an awful lot going on all through the autumn. So that's a heads up for the future. Gosh, sorry, you haven't quite had enough of my voice. I'm now going to do the headlines and then Catherine can start with the first story. Um, so headline for Friday, September the 14th. Callous thieves target Olga, 89. Saturday, mum's postnatal depression hell. Monday, 300 homes plan. Tuesday, guilty pair facing long prison terms for knife point robberies. Wednesday, body room used for hospital patients. And today's headline, teen raped in car park. So, Catherine, can you start us off? Thank you, Pippa. So, callous thieves target Olga, 89. An 89-year-old woman has been left devastated after the theft of a treasured photo of her mother, who died while giving birth to her. Olga Allen was targeted by two women in the superdrug on the corner of High Street, Worcester, in a distraction theft. Mrs Allen's purse was stolen and she's been told by police it's unlikely she will get her sentimental photos back. One of the photographs was of Mrs Allen's mother, who died giving birth to her. The other was of Mrs Allen as a baby on her grandmother's lap with her stepmother. She said, They were two lovely photos and I'm most unhappy about losing them. It has really upset me. I've had them nearly 90 years and now I have lost them. Just like that. Mrs Allen from Ombersley told the Worcester News she's now frightened to leave her home after the theft. Being old, they prey on you, she said. It is so cruel. These women have picked on me because I'm vulnerable. I'm now frightened to leave my house. I am constantly checking to make sure my purse is still in my bag. Mrs Allen was in Superdrug on August 29th when she was approached by a woman who was asking her about charcoal toothpaste that was on special offer. She said, I got caught as I was leaving the shop. 
One woman was distracting me and kept me talking. She made out she didn't understand. She didn't speak a word of English. She was asking me about charcoal toothpaste that was being sold and why it was buy one, get one free. I must have repeated myself half a dozen times. Meanwhile, the other one, who I didn't even know was behind me until I saw the CCTV, picked out my purse from the top of my trolley. According to the CCTV, she looked like a young woman who robbed me, but you can't really tell because she had a funny hat pulled over her head. I was tricked. Mrs Allen noticed her purse was missing before getting on the bus when she was searching through her trolley. The missing purse contained store cards, including one for boots, her pension card, cash and the two photographs. She said, It's a horrible thought, someone going through your belongings. It's a leather-coloured pink and purple purse, and I want it back. It holds sentimental value. Mrs Allen struggles with arthritis and has had 11 falls over the last three months. She has invested in a four-prong walker to assist her. She added, I must use my walker everywhere I go, so I'm not very fast. I'm in continuous pain, and this experience has made me lose my confidence to leave the house. Mrs Allen has reported the theft to the police. She says she hopes someone may come across the photos which were inside her purse after reading this article and reunite her with them. If you find the pictures, please contact Grace Walton at the Worcester News via the phone number or email address below and we will arrange for them to be given to Mrs Allen. If you have information on the theft, call police on 101. So just to remind you of the number, it's 01905 742257. Mom's postnatal depression hell. A mom who had suicidal thoughts after suffering postnatal depression PND, believes more support is needed for women who are struggling. Laurie-Anne Northcott had PND after giving birth to her two sons, Blake, now aged five, and Robin, 11 months. She spent the early days of her younger son's life unable to sleep, cleaning for three hours a day, and overwhelmed with dark thoughts but feels proper support earlier in her pregnancy could have avoided her descent into PND. Miss Northcott also had other pregnancy-related complications, including hypermemesis, severe vomiting, nausea and dehydration, the condition suffered by the Duchess of Cambridge. The 25-year-old from Warnden said, she was only examined for PND during her first pregnancy because there was a family history of the condition and believes every expectant mom should be assessed when expecting. During her second pregnancy, Miss Northcott spent seven months in Worcestershire Royal Hospital, WRH, due to hypermemesis, but believes not enough mental health support was provided, leading to other problems. She said hospital staff struggled to get hold of the perinatal mental health team at Studdard Kennedy House and she was only seen by her assigned perinatal nurse once during her second pregnancy. Not getting the support through that hypermemesis led to the depression which has then led to hypermyalgia which comes on from the trauma of the pregnancy, she told the Worcester News.
She continued, if I'd have got the treated if I'd have got treated in the pregnancy for the mental health problems I had, I wouldn't have got so bad with my depression. I think it would have still been a problem, but I wouldn't have got the hypermyalgia and I wouldn't be struggling as much now. I've had to leave work, which I was planning on going back to. After giving birth to Robin last year, she got home, had a complete meltdown due to PND. She said, I wouldn't let anyone touch him. I didn't want to be away from him. I went home and we tidied everything, but it wasn't good enough. After you have a baby, you're in pain, but I wouldn't sit down. I was cleaning for about three hours and hadn't slept for 24 hours. Over the next few days, I couldn't sleep properly, even though I was so tired watching him. This led to feelings of suicide, though Miss Northcott, who is due to marry partner of four years, Paul Bedford, in January, said support of her family helped her begin to pull through. You feel like you're not good enough. You feel like even though you're looking after your kids and you're trying to do everything, you hurt, your whole body is returning to normal and I suppose I had it more extreme because I'd lost muscle in my legs due to the hypermemesis. I'd lost weight and the whole body wasn't right. I had kidney and liver problems. You can imagine it was a million times worse. I was just so tired and fed up that you don't want feel like you can go on anymore and it gets to a point where you're so tired you're in a trance and you're a robot you are so worried to sleep but you're so tired you need to sleep it just all gets to you and I think I can't do this anymore but then you've got these kids that need you Referring to a recent case which saw a mum given a suspended sentence for shaking her baby so hard he may never walk, talk or see, Miss Northcott said, she had some sympathy. That mum could easily have been me, she said. It could easily have been anyone who isn't getting that support they are supposed to be getting because it only takes you one time where that baby won't go down or won't stop screaming. There have been many times where I've put him down and walked away because you need to put them down, walk away, have a cry and then come back and it works. Miss Northcott said there was a lack of communication between perinatal staff, meaning she had many missed appointments during her pregnancy while very little support is provided after giving birth. This led to many trips to her GP and the hospital where she was often prescribed antidepressants, sleeping pills and painkillers which only provided short-term relief. They need to get their system in check and they need to make sure that GPs have good access to them. I've been told I've got PTSD now from the hypermemesis which is six weeks between appointments, on a long waiting list over six months, they just need more accessible people. Miss Northcott said, following her first <coughs> pregnancy with, luck, with Blake, she didn't want to admit she was feeling the symptoms of PND, because what if this was a negative impact on the way I'm allowed to parent? 
She uses a number of online forums for moms, but said she has never been made aware of any face-to-face support groups for moms suffering with mental health problems, particularly PND. She said for the first few weeks of pregnancy, you've got everyone coming to see you, make sure you're okay. Then it's just dwindled down and you are left and your partner goes back to work and you're on your own with a tiny baby that still needs 24-7 care. You just feel like that's it. You've gone through everything. You've had all the support and then everyone's disappeared and you wonder what to do with yourself, she added. On Friday, it was announced the perinatal mental health team run by Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust has received a share of £350,000 secured through the Herefordshire and Worcestershire Sustainability and Transformation Partnership, STP, to help develop already existing services. See hacw.nhs.uk slash our services slash perinatal psychiatric for more information. 300 Homes Plan More than 300 homes could be built on the outskirts of Worcester if plans are approved. A decision for 175 homes on the land to the east of Oakview Way off Bromyard Road will be made by Worcester City Council planners on Thursday, September the 20th and would accompany up to 150 homes already approved in an outline application by Malvern Hills District Council planners in July. In the 175 home application, 40% will be affordable, as per the City Council's obligation, with around half of the site forming public open space and will also include a children's play area. Developer Bloor Homes Western is keen to start building as soon as possible and has said it hopes to lay the first bricks within a year if plans are given the thumbs up. The land was previously owned by the University of Worcester after it was bought from Tesco in 2009 with plans for it to be transformed into a multi-million pound business, science and sport park. Thus, the area in the application is allocated for a university campus in the South Worcestershire Development Plan, that's the SWDP. Land to the south and east of the site does fall within the green space allocated under the SWDP, but that does not mean house building should be immediately rejected. Council planners have looked at the precedent in the area for housing developments, and are satisfied that the home's plan provides enough landscaping and green space, 5.22 hectares, according to the plan, to not be overbearing or out of character. Under the proposals, a loop road will also be built circling the site, as well as new footpaths and upgrades to footpaths adjacent to the Worcester-Malvern railway line and underneath the A4440 which are currently unattractive and poorly lit. The need for improved pedestrian links to Rushwick has been recognised. The Council's Conservation Area Panel expressed some concern and said that the plan lacked any sense of place and appeared to be an exercise in achieving a specific number of units. 
It said, there is currently a high degree of public use on and around the site, and this must be considered as an important part of any design. Overall, the panel has no objection to the principle, but would wish to see the scheme footprint redesigned, and concluded, therefore, that the scheme was not acceptable in its current format. Sustrans, the walking and cycling charity, said more attention needs to be paid in linking the houses to public transport as well as cycling and pedestrian routes. Guilty pair facing long prison terms for knife point robberies. Two men are facing lengthy jail sentences after being convicted of two knife point robberies in the city. Daniel Martin, 29, and Tommy Lee Jauncey, 21, were yesterday found guilty by a jury after a week-long trial at Worcester Crown Court. There were gasps and crying in the packed public gallery of Court 3 as the jury foreman returned the verdicts, and Martin later threatened to jump the dock. The court heard that Martin, who was previously jailed for manslaughter for killing convicted sex offender Andrew Heath in 2013, now faces a possible life sentence. Martin of no fixed abode, but with links to Warnden and Jauncey of St George's Lane, Worcester, had denied involvement in the robberies that were committed days apart in Warnden. Martin and Jauncey robbed Papa John's pizza delivery driver Daniel McLaren in an alleyway near Brookthorpe Close on February the 19th. Mr McLaren was confronted by a man in a ski mask who held a knife to his neck demanding money. The prosecution said this was Martin who, after Mr McLaren said he did not have any cash, responded by saying, you don't want to get stabbed, do you? John Brotherton, prosecuting, added that a second man who came later and was also wearing a ski mask and held a knife to the delivery driver's throat was jauncy. A pizza delivery pouch, wallet and Samsung mobile phone were stolen in this robbery on February the 19th. In the second robbery, Martin targeted taxi driver Mohammed Jengagir in Chedworth Close, Warnden, on February the 21st while Jauncey hid in a bush. The taxi driver picked out Martin at a police identity parade. Mr Majengir said Martin held a screwdriver to his neck and while bending over, a foot-long knife fell out of Martin's pocket. The driver said Martin had demanded notes, stealing between 60 and 70 pounds in cash and his mobile phone. During the trial, the jury heard evidence from Kathleen Biddle who said the pair confessed to the robberies at her home in Rodborough Drive, Warnden, and she saw the contents of Mr McLaren's wallet, including a donor card and ID card. Police found a knife hidden behind a dog bin in an alleyway near Sainsbury's Warnden, based on information she gave them. Martin and Jauncey had said they did not know Miss Biddle and had never been to her house. Jauncey's defence was that he was not a friend of Martin and was in Bromsgrove during the robberies, while Martin said he had been set up. But the jury of six men and six women was unanimous in their guilty verdicts. Jauncey was found not guilty by majority verdicts on three other charges, threatening to kill, threatening to destroy property and, dem- and damaging property. Martin shouted out, I'm innocent, when he was taken down to the cells, 
with Judge Nicholas Cartwright warning him to be quiet. Martin later refused to be brought back into court, saying he would jump the dock. So proceedings continued without him present. Extra security was also brought into court at one point, and the judge offered members of the jury the opportunity to be escorted to their cars or to public transport. The judge adjourned the case for pre-sentence reports, which will consider Jaunce's mental health and the danger that Martin poses to society. Martin and Jauncey will return to the court for sentencing on a date to be set between October the 8th and October the 26th. Both are in custody. Uh, The next heading is Dead Body Room Used for Hospital Patients. A and E patients are being treated in a hospital room where relatives say goodbye to their dead loved ones, showing the city's overstretched royal is still in crisis. Health bosses said staff only treat patients in the viewing room at Worcester's emergency department when the hospital is very busy. However, a Worcestershire Royal Hospital employee and a health watchdog say the practice should not be happening. Peter Pinfield, chairman of Health Watch Worcestershire, said, Speaking on behalf of the public and loved ones, it's really not the place we should be using to put patients that are waiting for care. It's a very sensitive area. It's a private and quite personal time. And that kind of facility should not be used for anything other than what it was designed for. A porter at the hospital, who did not want to be named, said, When a patient dies from resus, that's the resuscitation area, they put the patient into the viewing room and then you go and say your last goodbyes to them. If they haven't got a viewing in there, then they use it as a treatment room when it's packed. Would you like to be treated in there? A patient could have passed away with a clinical disease. The porter also said patients should not be treated in the room because there are no oxygen tanks on the walls. The whistleblower added that the practice has been going on for more than a year. A spokesman for Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust said, There is space within the emergency department at Worcester which is used when necessary for relatives to use as a viewing room when their loved ones have passed away. At times of peak demand, when the department is very busy, in order to protect patients' privacy and dignity, this space is sometimes used to carry out observations or procedures, such as ECGs, that's electrocardiograms. The room is only used clinically if the room isn't in use as a viewing room, and vice versa. Staff across our trust continue to work hard to provide the safest care they can for patients in the face of continuing pressures on beds, particularly on our Worcester site. The spokesman added that the trust is building a discharge lounge, wards and a bridge connecting to the main hospital to relieve pressure on the Worcester site. Teen raped in car park. Girl was used by three men, court told. A teenage girl was raped in the car park of County Hall in Worcester as three men used her as their sexual plaything, a court heard. The girl, aged 16 at the time, says she was raped at two different locations, including in a car behind a skip in the car park of County Hall after being given drinks and drugs. The jury began hearing evidence of the trial of Bradley Tout. Colin Odidra and Kazim Moltani 
at Worcester Crown Court yesterday. All three denied paying for the sexual services of a child after giving her alcohol, cannabis, soft drinks and food as payment. Odedra, aged 28, of Canterbury Road, Ronxwood, Worcester, denies two counts of rape, one of attempted rape, one of assault by penetration and one of attempting to sexually exploit a child. Tout, aged 20, of Durham Road, Ronxwood, Worcester, denies a single count of rape. Multani, aged 20, of Westminster Road, Ronxwood, Worcester, faces only one count of paying for sexual services. The offences are said to have happened at County Hall in Worcester on December the 27th, 2016, at another isolated location later the same day. Stephen Bailey, prosecuting, said, This is a case about the sexual exploitation of a 16-year-old girl by a group of young men, all three, the prosecution say, working together, cynically to use her for their pleasure regardless of her feelings, regardless of her consent for their fun, like a plaything, something to be bought, something to be passed around, something to exploit. You will hear evidence of something pretty seedy, sordid behaviour between these three defendants and that 16-year-old girl. There are no hearts and flowers in this case. Romeo and Juliet, this isn't. The defendants claim the girl not only consented but enjoyed the experience and at least to some extent instigated what happened. But Mr Bailey said the girl only knew one of the defendants, Tout. He had texted her, telling her he was with a friend, co-defendant Moltani. Tout had asked her to bring a friend, but no one was available, so she was persuaded to come alone. When the girl met Tout, she found Moltani and Odidra were with him. Mr Bailey said... They ended up in a secluded part of the car park, behind County Hall, behind a recycling skip and out of sight. Mr Bailey said Odedra gave the girl Jack Daniels and Coke and Moltani gave her a spliff, which the prosecution say was payment and inducement to carry out the sexual acts. He told the jury that the girl, whom he described as unsophisticated and was surrounded and confused with Tout and Odedra sitting either side of her in the back seat at, as Tout asked her to perform a sex act upon him which she refused to do. The girl performed a sex act upon Moltani but had not been comfortable doing it. Odedra was said to have put his hands down her trousers and touched her intimately. He did not take no for an answer and continued to try to put his hands down her trousers. Despite her resistance, he was bigger and stronger than her, said Mr Bailey. Odedra also asked for oral sex, but the girl told him she did not want to do it and the prosecution case that he forced her. Mr Bailey said Multani had recognised that she did not want to be doing this and told the girl... Just say no. 
If Mr Multani can see this, why can't the others, said Mr Bailey. The prosecution case is that Tout then dropped Multani at his home and drove Odedra and the girl to an isolated spot. Tout and the girl then had sex, Mr Bailey said, while Odedra watched and slapped her. The prosecution say the girl did not give consent because she had not wanted another man present when she had sex with Tout, but knew there was no alternative. Odedra then had sex with her. She had, as she saw it, no choice, said Mr Bailey. Odedra is also accused of offering the girl £70 to perform a sex act on him. Mr Bailey said that the next day Mr Tout was discussing going out to find more girls to share or, to use the words he and Mr Odedra used, slags. The trial continues. And now for a few other stories from the, the newspaper. Um, Nigel wears it pink for cancer. This is an MP splashed a bit of pink to his usual attire to raise funds for breast cancer. And there's a picture on the side of the MP, um, Nigel Huddleston, in a big pink hat, um, pink beads, a pink tie and a rather large pink rosette. Mid-Worcestershire MP Nigel Huddleston was joined by more than 200 other parliamentarians in Westminster earlier this month, all encouraging people across the UK to take part on Wearing It Pink Day and raise money for breast cancer now. Mr Huddleston is calling for his constituents in Mid-Worcestershire to join him, as well as thousands of others across the UK to sign up and take part in Wear It Pink, which takes place during <coughs> Breast Cancer Awareness Month and to date has raised over £31 million towards breast cancer. Now's important work. He said breast cancer is still the most common form of cancer in the UK. Each year, around 11,500 women and 80 men lose their lives to it. That's why I'm so passionate about encouraging people in my constituency to take part in Wear It Pink Day on Friday, October the 19th. Wear It Pink is a great way to come together with friends and family to have fun whilst raising money. A city school has been praised by Ofsted as a happy and harmonious community. St George's Catholic Primary School in Thornlow Walk, Barbourne, has retained its good Ofsted rating following its most recent inspection. In a report, Inspector Claire Jones said, Staff morale is high and pupils achieve well. Parents are overwhelmingly supportive of the school. The parents I spoke to commented about the school's family feel, the high level of care for pupils and how well staff meet individual pupils' needs, including those who have special educational needs or disabilities. Pupils enjoy coming to school and attend well. They have positive attitudes and show a real desire to learn. Pupils concentrate well, work hard and listen attentively in lessons. They're proud of their school and learn to be caring, confident individuals who show respect for others. She added, Pupils I met during the inspection were keen to tell me that they and their peers feel safe in school. They say that bullying is rare and that if it happens, adults resolve it quickly and put everything right.
the inspector said that in order to achieve the highest rating, outstanding, the school needs to ensure that all groups of pupils make consistently strong progress in each year group and an increasing proportion of pupils make significant progress from their different starting points, particularly boys. Other suggested aims were developing subject leadership and strengthening the wider curriculum so that pupils achieve as well in other subjects as they do in English and maths. Head teacher Jill Gittins said, We are all extremely pleased with the many positive comments in this Ofsted report. It reflects and recognises all the work of our staff and children and also the overwhelming support of our parents. We look forward to continuing to build on our successes. Um, my story here at this point is that a carer wins a £67,000 car. A carer received the surprise of a lifetime after winning a top-of-the-range luxury sports car, a Porsche Cavenne e-hybrid, worth more than £67,000. Martin Hook, who is 56, from Worcester, was left lost for words when he was handed the keys to his dream car, as well as receiving £20,000 in cash. Mr Hook said, It's so surreal, I feel like I'm dreaming. I'm over the moon. I just can't believe it. With everything that's been going on in my life, this has made my year. I'm still speechless. It just shows you've got to be in it to win it. Thank you so much. This is unbelievable. Mr Hook has been without a vehicle for a few years due to not being able to afford a car. He's a full-time carer for his 88-year-old mother, Jean, who has dementia. His twin brother, Phil, described him as a caring person who was always putting others before himself. He added, My brother is a hard worker and seems to always have things going on. He has injured his cruciate ligament in his knee from playing rugby, or so he's telling everyone. It was difficult to keep this quiet for the past 24 hours. I picked him up yesterday from the hospital and this competition was all he was talking about. If anybody deserves this win, it's my brother. He's gone through a lot, so this will really mean the world to him. Christian Williams, who delivered the good news, said Mr Hook was a worthy winner and he deserved the prize. He said you could see the excitement on his face as soon as he opened the door. He was ecstatic and literally jumped on me when I told him he won, which doesn't happen very often. Martin is a loyal customer of Best of the Best and has been entering the competition since it started running in 1999. The luxury car competition runs every week and has given away over £23 million worth of prizes. So I do actually assume that he's taken nearly 20 years to win it. Even <laughs> <laughs> but well done, anyway. <laughs> the giraffes have left their city spots. It's goodbye to the giraffes. They have graced the city as the Worcester Stands Art Trail has come to an end. The decorated sculptures were collected from the streets and placed in the storage on Sunday evening where they will be kept ready for a live auction taking place on October the 11th. It's expected that £2,500 will be the starting price for each sculpture. All the money raised will go to the St Richard's Hosp Hospice Build 2020 appeal. A £5.3 million expansion to support more patients and families in Worcestershire. 
The Worcester Stands Tall app has recorded more than 179,000 visits to individual giraffes, while more than 1,800 selfies have been uploaded to the app's gallery. A farewell event is taking place on October the 4th at Worcester Cathedral, which will give everyone the chance to see all 30 giraffes and 27 calves in one place before they trot out at Worcester. Proceeds from the farewell event will support St Richard's Hospice's Build 2020 appeal. The Worcester News are asking readers to send in a selfie with their favourite giraffe. All photographs can be sent to grace.walton at worcesternewsquest.co.uk. And this is marking the century since the war's end. Hundreds of people gathered to mark a century since the end of the First World War. The Festival of Remembrance took place in Gellivart Park in Worcester on Saturday, a commemoration attended by people of all ages, including veterans of previous conflicts and dignitaries from across the county. The regimental band of the Grenadier Guards led the standards and took part in the drumhead service, a religious ceremony conducted in the field during during conflict and in peacetime. The drums were carefully stacked and draped with the colours of the Mercian Regiment, the Union flag and the county standard of the Royal British Legion to create a makeshift altar. Ceramic poppies from the Tower of London's blood-swept lands and seas of red also formed part of the poignance ceremony. The welcome was led by the Right Reverend Graham Usher, Bishop of Dudley, who said, We are here in the presence of God to remember with thanksgiving and sorrow those lives in world wars and conflicts past and present that have been given and taken away in the cause of justice and freedom, to pray for all those who in bereavement, disability and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror, and for the British Legion in its ministry of care and support for them. Lieutenant Colonel Patrick Holcroft, Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, read from the Gospel of John. Readings also followed from Malik Fayez, independent Islamic faith and cultural consultant, who spoke of the sacrifices made by Indian Muslim soldiers of the British Empire, and from Dr Umesh Udishi with a retelling of the ancient epic, the Mahabharata. Kate Elmsley read out her award-winning poem, Hopefully, which commemorates the Battle of the Somme in 1916. An address was made by Reverend Canon Dr Georgina Byrne. Ceramic poppies and crosses of remembrance were planted as the band played Nimrod from the Enigma Variations by Sir Edward Elgar. The ceremony contained the hymn Jerusalem, the exhortation by David Waldron, chairman of the Royal British Legion, the last post, I vow to thee my country, and the national anthem. Among those who attended were Worcestershire MP Robin Walker and Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion. Veteran Charles Bolton, aged 96, of Worcester, 
who was a sergeant in the Royal Artillery during the Normandy landings in the Second World War, said, I thought I would come and listen to the band. It's nice to come and see the old soldiers. There's not many of us left, I'm afraid. This is an article about city's sporting heroes. And a variety of pictures show all the winners. These pictures show the winners at the City of Worcester Sports Award. Fourteen winners were announced when the 15th edition of the annual ceremony took place on Thursday evening. Held at the University of Worcester Arena, the awards were delivered in partnership with Freedom Leisure and Sport Worcester and supported by Worcester City Council with the Worcester News as media partner. Winners were announced and presented by Olympic medal winner and former world champion Steve Cram, CBE, while BBC Midlands Today sports presenter and reporter Dan Pallett hosted the event. Ivan Horsfall-Turner, Managing Director of Freedom Leisure, said, The awards, as always, were a truly humbling night, and Freedom Leisure is proud to be the host, because the event brings together the city's sporting elite and allows us to honour the best, which in turn garners a great sporting legacy in the area. Matthew Rogers Freedom Leisure Active Communities Manager, added, These awards are a celebration of the city's sporting talent in grassroots sport, and we really like the fact it honours locals who have been nominated by locals. But we want to do more than just recognise local sporting heroes. We also want to help support them to achieve their goals. It is for this reason we also offer grants, with the latest round open now for applications. Councillor James Stanley, Chair of Worcester City Council's Communities Committee, said, The sports awards are an inspiring night because they acknowledge the scale of volunteering that goes on behind the scenes to make Worcester the healthy and active city it is. Many of the winners are not the faces you see in action on the racetracks, the pitches and the courts, but they are the people who give up their free time to make events happen and to train others. Concern over cull. The nationwide badger cull is the biggest programme of destruction of a protected species, according to the Green Party's animal rights spokesman, as the government issues 11 new licences. The cull, which reportedly costs taxpayers nearly £7 million in 2017 alone, and nearly £30 million since 2013 has also been described by Keith Taylor MEP as scientifically illiterate and spectacularly expensive. In response to the latest announcement Mr Taylor went on to say there are no two ways about it the Tories have just signalled an escalation in their war on our wildlife. Badgers are a protected species but the government sees no issue pursuing an ineffective programme that seeks to wipe out at least 70% of the population. He added that the government has still failed to provide any conclusive evidence that killing badgers is having a positive impact on reducing bovine TB infection rates in badger cull zones. Plan for all taxis to have CCTV. CCTV cameras may soon have to be fitted in every taxi in the city as the council floats the idea of making them compulsory. With nine months of work already behind them, city council officers will continue to look at the idea before joining the likes of Hereford in adopting the mandatory camera policy. 
But no decision should be expected soon, as Council has voted to give more time to officers to draw up reports with further discussion expected sometime in the next year. Currently, taxi drivers are not required to install cameras as mandatory, but can do so if they want to. If the idea did come to fruition, every taxi in the city would be required to install CCTV cameras before they were handed a licence. Initial consultation by council officers found that taxi companies and drivers did not support the compulsory installation of CCTV, mainly because of the cost in purchasing, installing and maintaining the equipment. The requirement to install CCTV in every taxi hopes to address three big issues. Deterring passengers from making off without payment, preventing passengers from physically attacking taxi drivers and lastly to provide evidence when complaints are made against a taxi driver. The debate over mandatory cameras was first proposed at a Licensing and Environment Health Committee meeting in January, but further discussions and decisions were deferred until last week, September the 10th, so officers could cast a new eye over the idea following the General Data Protection Regulation overhaul in April, with particular attention paid to who would be allowed to store the footage. Initial support for the cameras included Councillor Roger Knight, who said he was very much in favour, both for the benefit of drivers and for passengers, and look forward to hearing the latest article. I hope it allows us to do what we should be doing, he said. CCTV is nothing new. CCTV is everywhere. We look at it wrongly, as an invasion of privacy rather than protection of people. The Council has used an article by King's Chambers barrister Ben Williams QC which has outlined a number of issues with GDPR and CCTV and taxis and is waiting for a follow-up article due to be published at the start of next year as well as local government association guidelines before making any further decisions. The next piece is Students Block Drive. An angry resident said students have been blocking his drive, preventing him from getting his car out. Reginald Wardle, aged 89, of Emerald Road, St John's, Worcester, says the situation has been going on for around three years, sometimes causing him to miss doctor's appointments. They have been parking outside my house and I can't get out. It's terrible. People are parking far too close and it's blocking my drive. Mr Wardle, who had a stroke several years ago, said, I'm very upset about it. It's been going on for far too long. Sometimes he can get out, but it's a bit of a struggle because my drive isn't very wide and they park far too close. Mr Wardle says he thinks the people parking on his road are students, as over the summertime he's not had a problem. But since term has resumed, the problem has become much worse. A spokesman from the University of Worcester said the university, working closely with Students' Union, 
actively encourages all students to park in a sensible and courteous manner. We run a number of campaigns at the start of the new academic year, which includes reminding returning students who may have moved into the community to ensure that they act in a neighbourly and considerate way. The university's security staff and police community support officers are able to deal with issues such as parking off campus, and we would always encourage residents to report any concerns to us as soon as possible so that we can work with them to resolve any problems swiftly. Residents who wish to report a problem can call 01905-855-000. Brave women <clears throat> who bared all for charity were delighted to see their calendar launched. Worcester's Saucy Women 2019 was unveiled at the Tesco in St Peter's yesterday. Mayor Jabarayas was there with many of the women who posed for the calendar, which will raise money for three cancer charities, Breast Cancer Care, Joe's Trust and Ovarian Cancer. A total of 108 women of all ages who have all been affected by cancer posed nude for the calendar and the photo shoot took place at Whitbourne Hall on July the 1st and saw the ladies create 12 scenes in and around the grounds using everyday items to cover their modesty. The calendar was the idea of fitness coach Tanya Skerritt and her friend Jodie Murray after they each lost a loved one to cancer. Jodie said, Tanya recently lost her father to cancer and I my father-in-law. They were both active men who loved a challenge. We're doing this in their memory. Tanya added that all the women taking part have had some personal experience of cancer, whether a child, sibling, parent, friend or themselves. Each month of the calendar has been sponsored by a local business and many others have donated or supported the production, while Julian and Lynn Grant had the fun job of taking the photos. Tanya said she was amazed by how many women wanted to be part of the calendar. I thought we might struggle to get a dozen, but when the word got round, my phone never stopped ringing. The lineup includes fitness coaches and staff from Freedom Leisure's three operations in Worcester at Purdiswell, Nunnery Wood and St John's and the David Lloyd Club at Six Ways, along with members, friends, professionals and young mothers. The calendar is available at St Peter's Tesco, the Freedom Leisure Centres, David Lloyd, WH Smiths and other Worcester retailers. Here's a story about a, a very well-known building in the centre of Worcester and the headline is Church Bid for Funding. Church leaders are appealing for donations to help them save a dilapidated vinegar works warehouse from rack and ruin. It's situated right next to Asda. Hope Church wants to reopen the four-storey building known as the Granary in St Martin's Quarter, Worcester next year. The congregation plans to hold its Sunday gatherings on the top floor of the property while the lower levels will be converted into community rooms, a kitchen and potentially a cafe. Richard Thomas, team leader for the Baptist Church, said the overall project will cost an estimated £1.7 million. He added, We recently failed in our bid for some lottery funding toward the restoration of this historic building, so any help anyone could offer would be welcome. We're about to go to tender for Phase 1 to restore the current building. We're hoping to raise £700,000 for Phase 1. If we did the whole thing, it would mean raising a further £1 million. 
Since purchase, we have bit by bit removed layers and layers of later additions and rubbish to strip back the building and reveal its Victorian bones, getting it back to the original brick. We've also removed two floors of hazardous pigeon waste. We're trying to rescue it from complete ruination. Mr Thomas of St Peter's Worcester said the top floor of the building will also be available for business conferences and meetings in the week. The property fell into disuse around 10 years ago and was previously used as a call centre, offices and a tyre and wheel depot. He said the church, Mr Thomas said the church, which bought the site outright, had already raised £300,000 towards the project and could probably mortgage another £200,000. The development could also be funded with interest-free loans and gifts from charities. To donate, contact the church via www.hope-church.org.uk Crowd enjoys display. A fire service open day proved a big hit with the crowds drawing in around 2,000 people and igniting the interest of children and adults alike. There was something for everything at the fire station in Mackenzie Way off Tullardyne Road, Worcester, during the open day between 11am and 3pm on Saturday. Large queues formed for a ride in a fire engine, while visitors watched fire service mascot Welly Elephant, Welly Elephant rescued using the aerial ladder platform. Station Commander Adrian Farmer said the open day, the fourth of its kind, had become popular since the station opened in 2015. He said, We try to make it a community event with all our partners. We're very pleased with the turnout and we're happy to be supporting St Richard's Hospice this year. I would just like to thank all the members of the community that have come out to support their community fire station and to donate to the charities we're supporting. But also it's great to see so many children interacting and learning about community safety. West Mercia Police, Highways England, West Midlands Ambulance Service, British Red Cross, the Safer Roads Partnership and young firefighters were all represented at the open day, which raised money for both the firefighters' charity and St Richard's Hospice. There was also face painting, refreshments and stalls. Live demonstrations showed how casualties are extracted following road accidents. The next piece is Volunteers Give Help to Jamie. <coughs> A group of volunteers rebuilt a family home for a dad with motor urine, neurone disease. Electrician Jamie Thompson and his partner Sarah Townsend moved out of their home in late August. The Band of Builders charity then started work at the property and made the couple's kitchen and garden more accessible for Mr Thompson, completing the project on September the 1st. Miss Townsend said, Jamie and I are totally bowled over with the work which the band of builders carried out at our home in just one week. It's staggering. The end result is creative and breathtaking. Already, Jamie and the children have utilised the whole of the garden, something which in recent years has not been possible. 
This incredible band of people have created two extra spaces in our home, which Jamie can now safely use and utilise to the full. The team thought of every tiny detail to make Jamie feel special and included in their design process, um, enabling him to create special mem valuable memories with his children in spaces which have become redundant. The band of builders deserve every success and huge recognition for what they do. She added, Thank you, Band of Builders, the Lighthouse Charity and Jusons. You will all have a special place in our hearts forever. Family and friends also supported the revamp at the home in Cradley near Morven, including neighbours, a local fish and chip van, and a Morven St James Girls School. Well, this article, I just had to read it because it mentions Worcester Talking News. So, pin your ears back. A charity which helps blind and partially sighted people has received the Queen's Award for Voluntary Service. Sight Concern Worcestershire was presented with the award by the Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, Patrick Holcroft, at a marquee reception on Worcester Racecourse. The Lord Lieutenant told guests, I know that if the Queen were here today, she'd congratulate all of you for the tremendous work and commitment you have shown to people in Worcestershire who have sight loss. He added... The award is the highest honour that can be given to voluntary groups. Its status is equivalent to the MBE. It is given for outstanding achievement by groups of volunteers who regularly devote their time to helping others in the community, improving the quality of life and opportunities for others, and providing an outstanding service. Elizabeth Bio, Vice Chair of Trustees, was presented with the official certificate and a commemorative crystal on Tuesday, September the 4th. She said, We are a small team of 17 staff, most of whom are part-time, and without doubt we could not achieve all that we do without our team of over 200 loyal volunteers. We are fortunate to have volunteers with a whole range of different skills. Some enjoy keeping people active and feeling like part of the community. Others help out at our social activities. Some record the talking news and some prefer assisting with the essential admin or fundraising that keeps the charity running. She added, This splendid event is a fabulous opportunity to thank all of our volunteers properly, as this award is really for them, our team of loyal volunteers who turn up and give their time to enhance the lives of people affected by sight loss. I really wasn't bigging myself up there, but it was a nice to see a charity get some um, recognition. Very heartwarming. Yeah. And here's another story about uh, a voluntary endeavour. A haulage company has donated a service van to a street cafe so it can more easily transport food and other donations for rough sleepers. Sharon Moltani, who runs Worcester Street Cafe, started a campaign in July hoping to raise £4,000 to buy a van so volunteers no longer have to use their own vehicles. Martin Pinchers of M. Pinchers & Sons Transport, based at Blackpool Trading Estate West, saw her plea in the Worcester News before donating the van and even having a logo painted on it. Miss Multani said the van would mean donated food and other items could be easily transported in one go to the cafe situated outside the old fire station in Copenhagen Street. It's the first time we will be able to take the stuff in comfort and I'll have a car back, she said. Everywhere we go, we have to load, unload, load. 
what it means now is I'll be able to fill it up once a week, all the plates, all the spoons, get another table, the clothes we give out. Anything we need we can take properly and not in dribs and drabs. It takes far too long. The 58-year-old who set up the cafe nearly two years ago now has around 20 volunteers who cook meals on a rotor basis and serve food Monday to Thursday between 7.30pm and 8.30pm. Food is also donated by Pressemanger and Greggs in the city centre, while the Brunswick Arms and the Royal Oak at Lysinton have both donated and raised funds for the project. Mr Pinchers said he held a meeting with his two brothers, Peter and Kevin, as well as mum and dad, Janet and Mervyn, all company directors, regarding what they could do to help. We had a vehicle that's available, surplus to requirements, in our fleet and thought it would be a nice gesture to get involved and donate it, he said. We're a local Worcester-based company and it's something nice to put back into Worcester. Regarding the van donation, Miss Multani said, I'm thrilled beyond words. I got a phone call from Martin saying we might be able to help you and I thought, lovely, a tenner or something. To get a whole van is unbelievable. Amazing Grace's 112th birthday. Worcestershire is now home to Britain's <coughs> oldest person and she has just celebrated her 112th birthday. Grace Jones of Pegasus Court in Broadway, known to her friends as Amazing Grace, celebrated her birthday on Sunday, September the 16th. Mrs Jones, who was born in 1906, has lived to see five monarchs and 21 prime ministers and survived two world wars. In her 20s, she owned a millinery factory in her home city of Liverpool, where she met her husband, Leonard, a chief engineer. They had one daughter, Deirdre McCarthy, and spent most of their married life moving around the country, 28 times in total, and lived in Devonshire, Cheshire and North Wales. Later they moved to Mickleton to be near their daughter. She moved to Pegasus Court in 2005. Speaking about her life, Mrs Jones said, The best memory was when I was married my husband. He was a true gentleman, the sort, the son of a parson. We always together and we loved one another. The Broadway residents' tips for living a long life are to avoid anxiety, stay active, enjoy good company and she recommends taking a drop of whiskey in bed with a drop of water. Her daughter Deirdre said, She is a wonderful lady, she is loved by everybody and the qualities of her character, kindness, friendship and enthusiasm for life make her a very positive and inspirational person. Mrs Jones marked her birthday with a tea party at Buckland Manor, Broadway, joined by family and friends. The country's previous oldest person, Olive Ball, who was born in September 1904, died one, died aged 113 in August. French woman Jeanne-Louise Calmont is currently the world's oldest person, recently celebrating her 122nd birthday. This piece is labelled um, Girls Help for St Richard's. Girls from a youth group that meets at Worcester Mosque 
have helped spread the message about the work done by the local hospice. St Richard's Hospice Community Engagement Officer Alice Spearing visited the girls' youth group at Tallow Hill Mosque, Worcester, to talk about the hospice. The girls decorated handprints with paint, glitter and sequins and glued hospice information on the reverse in English and Urdu. The handprints were handed out to the community at the mosque's summer fete to help promote messages about our hospice care and dispel common hospice myths. Mohammed Iqbal, General Secretary at Tallow Hill Mosque, said, By being involved, the children also learn more about the hospice and the positive role it plays in our society and how it benefits us all. This is a marvellous way of learning and getting a message across. These experiences at this young age hopefully will make us stronger, connected individuals of the future. Miss Spearing said the girls were so proud of their handprints and very excited to show their loved ones at the summer fete. We continue to work alongside Tallow Hill Mosque to raise awareness of our free care and support. Well, that concludes uh, the news for this past week. Uh, we'll move on to some sport now. So, Catherine, if you'd like to start with the first sporting article. OK. <clears throat> this is a human story, really, and it's about the rugby. Uh, the headline is Dupree's Thank You All. Injured warrior still unable to speak, so posts message. Cornell Dupree's confirmed he would not be able to speak for the next four weeks or so as he continues to receive treatment on his injured throat. The 27-year-old back rower posted on Instagram yesterday to up update people on his progress after damaging his voice box and Adam's apple in Warriors 21-20 defeat to Wasps earlier this month. And he stated the messages he had received from well-wishers over the past two weeks had been overwhelming. The message read, On September the 1st, I fractured my cricoid, Adam's apple. I also damaged my voice box, so I won't be able to speak at all for the next four weeks or so. I will be in hospital until then. I really want to thank Worcester Warriors, friends and family from all over the world for the unbelievable support that I have received. It's been overwhelming. I will get back to replying to messages over the next few days. Thanks. Director of Rugby, Alan Solomons, also released a statement about Dupree's, who joined Warriors from Edinburgh in the summer. Cornell is making good progress and is receiving the best treatment in hospital, Solomons said. Everyone at the club sends him their best wishes and we will continue to support him at this difficult time. We wish him a speedy recovery. He said that Dupree's had undergone surgery last Friday. And speaking at Warriors' press conference on Wednesday, Solomons then admitted he was waiting to discover whether Dupree's needed to undergo a further operation. He's still in Birmingham and the club is giving him really good support, Solomons told the media. Cornell's partner is here and we are waiting to hear from the surgeon as to whether a further operation is required. Solomons said he was also in constant contact with Warriors' doctor as he awaited more news on Dupree's situation. The Scotland International is being treated at the Heartlands Hospital and Birmingham Chest Clinic.
I haven't seen Cornell, as he's not seeing anybody apart from his partner at the moment, Solomon said, but I think it's pretty tough when you've got pipes down your throat. When you think back to when the injury happened, that was a little while ago, wasn't it? I'm hoping that the next report we get is positive and he, that he starts turning a corner. Sam Lewis, Marco Mama and Gerrit Jan van Veltzer started in the back row for Worcester against Sale. Alafoti Saliva made an impact off the bench, while fellow loose, fellow loose forwards Matt Cox, Carl Kirwan and Ted Hill played in Worcester Cavaliers' 32-26 win at Leicester Tigers on Monday. Asked whether he'd started to plan without Dupree's this season, Solomon said, No, I would be premature to make any decision about anything. We're fortunate that we do have a lot of loose forwards, so we can cope at the moment. Let's just see. All I want is Cornell to get better. Sunny 11 wins a car. 11-year-old golf prospect Sonny Priestley shot his first hole-in-one to win a car. The member of Hasnor's Gouday Loose Club landed the ace at the Barrett Holmes Charity Day in aid of cancer research at Redditch. In a team event with 84 golfers, Priestley pictured above, starred on the 175-yard par 3 11th hole. It had been nominated for the special prize of the day of a new VW polo car. When his drive struck the pin dead centre and disappeared down the hall, the youngster dropped his club and ran off down the fairway with everyone chasing him. He had been playing for many years and is now off a 28 handicap. Priestley plays for the Goudet Luce junior team and learned the sport through the Russell Adams Golf Academy at the Country Club. His coach, Adams, said, We're all so proud of what Sonny is achieving in his golfing journey. He's a fantastic talent and will go a long way if he continues putting the effort in he has so far. And this is about um, our relegation-haunted Worcestershire cricket. Um, Head coach Kevin Sharp insisted relegation-haunted Worcestershire could have no regrets after going toe-to-toe with county champions Surrey but admitted it's going to be tough now. A three-wicket defeat left the new road outfit bottom of Division 1 and 30 points adrift of safety with two league matches to play. Surrey's ninth straight victory, a run that began after Worcestershire had drawn the return fixture in May, rubber-stamped their first title for 16 years, but Sharp remained proud of the fight shown by his charges. It was a terrific game of cricket, and it could have gone either way right to the end, said Sharp. The lads have gone toe-to-toe with the county champions, and I'm very proud of them. I think the Morn Morkel spell was the difference. He was going to come off, and then bowled Ed Bernard with the last ball of an over. And then he bowled a bit more, fantastically well, and got two or three wickets. You could always say we could have done some things a bit better. We could have batted a bit better in some places or been tidier with the ball in places. At the end of the day, our conversation in the dressing room was a very positive one. The lads can be very proud of themselves to have fought and scrapped like they did to play some great cricket. You wouldn't have known it was a top versus bottom clash. That's the bottom line. 
For us, there is so much more to look forward to. I know it's going to be tough now. I see my old club Yorkshire won, so they've got quite a bit ahead of us. We will have to win the last two, and the other results will have to go our way, but we will attempt to do that. Well, more cricket. Um, I'm sure that you will have heard by now that Worcestershire won the T20 Blast, which took place on Saturday. Uh, The Worcester News was devoted four pages or more to this wonderful win and it was quite difficult to decide which article to read because they have covered it from every angle they've interviewed almost every player um so you could have a a lot of cricket on your plate but i thought that this was probably one of the more well-written articles and so i'll kick off with an undefeated cox helps secure cup Modest match winner Ben Cox shared the plaudits with his teammates and Lady Luck after inspiring Worcestershire's historic T20 blast triumph. The 26-year-old survived a dink over an outstretched hand before brushing Chris Jordan's fizzer marginally past his own wicket en route to the unbeaten 46, which handed Rapids a five-wicket victory over Sussex at Edgebaston in the final. It was indicative of how the tide began to turn following a tricky third quarter for Kevin Sharp's men. After ten overs, Worcestershire were two runs better off than Sharks had been at the same stage. But Brett D'Oliveira controversially went for ten following a review, with mainstay Moeen Alley on 41 caught by Phil Salt having tried to nail a six. The, require, the required run rate, oh, all those R's, gradually looked more daunting. But Cox, brimming with confidence, carried the fight to put his side within 17 of victory, with two overs remaining. It was then that Joffre Archer's wild, head-height delivery whistled past wicketkeeper Michael Burgess for four, plus two for a noble. Not content with the bonus, Cox thrashed the free hit for six, and then sent a four the same way, to finish off Sharks and banish the memory of his omission from the county championship defeat to Surrey. Not only did Worcestershire muster plenty of might with the ball, but the fielding was brave, well-positioned and efficient. In the end, they held their nerve to make fewer mistakes in Sussex with bat and ball. Sharks had started well, but Salt proved too cavalier in surrendering his wicket when run out by Dolabira for 17. Luke Wright and Laurie Evans put on 58 for the second wicket before Delray Rawlins produced some punchy shots that threatened to set a testing target. Brown may not have taken a wicket in the final, but was on hand with a well-taken catch to set off Rawlins, with Moeen weaving more magic to keep the target down to 158 to win. And here's a report about racing written by Executive Director Jenny Cheshire horse race success for sharing. The high cost of having a horse in training for racing is being shared more and more these days. Groups of people come together to form a syndicate ownership, either leasing a horse from a trainer or purchasing it outright. This was never more evident than at Worcester last week when five of the seven winning horses were owned by syndicates. They included High Clare Thoroughbred Racing, Foxtrot Racing, Aryan Racing Club, Case Racing Partnership and Ollie Murphy Racing Club. 
In my view, writes Jenny, it is a win-win situation because not only is the burden of cost divided between a number of people, but when the horse wins, there's always a tremendous party atmosphere after the race with the elated owners celebrating and sharing their success. Most racing yards now offer this kind of ownership and there is much less financial risk than owning a horse solo. Foxtrot Racing owned the locally trained Quai Doulin, winner of the Novice Chase last week. Based with Dr Richard Newland, the six-year-old has been with the Clains trainer since he came over from France in January 2017. Following 203 days off the track, the race at Worcester last week was his chasing debut. Her Royal Highness the Princess Royal visited Pitchcroft for the 300th anniversary race day in July, but was not present last week when her homebred mare, Checkered View, ran her hurdle debut for trainer Martin Keithley. Ridden by Richard Johnson, the mare ran a respectable race into third and is now qualified for the £30,000 com fixed brush hurdle series final at Worcester on October the 24th. The racing action continues at Pitchcroft today, that's Monday September the 17th, with the annual Locals Day, when in addition to the excitement on the track, there was local food and drink stands showcasing their produce in the marquee by the parade ring. Rugby Union. Champions are too strong for Valkyries. Worcester Valkyries fell to a 43-7 defeat to Saracens in the Tyrrell's Premier 15s at Alliance Park. Lindsay O'Donnell ensured Valkyries got on the scoreboard when she dotted down in the second half. But the Tyrrell's Premier 15s champions crossed the whitewash seven times through Poppy Cheel, three, Marley Packer, Lottie Clapp, George Lingham and Nina Verstissen to secure victory. The first half an hour was competitive with both sides imposing themselves on the game. Valkyrie showed defensive resilience before Zoe Bennion was sent to the sin bin after a series of team offences. The host took advantage in the final ten minutes of the half with three tries. Surrey's extended their lead before Roy Davis, Valkyrie's forwards were too much for the home pack who left a gap for O'Donnell to exploit and run in, in under under the posts but Saris added two more tries in the final 10 minutes. Valkyrie's first home game of the season is against Richmond at Six Ways on Saturday at 2pm. And now netball. Seven stars have signed England International and Vitality Netball Super League winner Lucy Harris. The mid-court star, aged 22, who won the league in 2018 with Wasps and was part of the England team in the Malawi series, is the first new player to join for the 2019 campaign. Harris said, I'm really looking forward to meeting all my new teammates and coaching staff and I'm ready to see what we can pull together this season. I really pushed myself last year and developed a lot of mental resilience and now I'm ready to bring that to my new team. I think Star's style of being fast-paced suits me quite well and I'm excited to step out on court. 
Harris's competitive career was kick-started in 2012 when she won the National School Championships with her under-16s team. She went on to represent England's under-19s in the 2014 Glasgow Tour. Jodie Gibson and Iona Darroch have already been confirmed as staying with stars. Head coach Sam Bird said Lucy is a fantastic addition to our squad in the midcourt. She's a hard-working, rapid midi and has a flair that suits our seven-star style. And two more short pieces of news about the cricket club again, Worcestershire. South African all-rounder Wayne Parnell has signed a three-year deal with Worcestershire to become a rare Colpac addition. The 29-year-old helped the club win the Vitality Blast T20 competition on Saturday as an overseas signing and he's also been part of their efforts to stay up or not in County Championship Division 1. Fast bowler Parnell last played for South Africa in October 2017 but lost his national contract earlier this year after a serious shoulder injury in January. The Colpac deal means the left-hander can no longer play for his country following in the footsteps of the likes of Morning Molkel and ex-county player Kyle Abbott. It also frees up an overseas slot for Worcestershire. And one other piece of news, Worcestershire paceman Steve McGoffin has brought down the curtain on a distinguished career spanning 15 years at first-class level by retiring from all cricket with immediate effect. McGoffin has hung up his spikes after returning to Blackfinch New Road for a second spell this summer. The Australian has ended his first-class career with 597 wickets at an average of 23.60 with 27.5 wicket hauls and a best of 8 8 for 20. The 38-year-old will concentrate on trying to forge a career in coaching and will stay involved with the county in helping to develop their next generation of players via the academy pathway. So that finishes the sport. A bit cricket-heavy, but they are coming to the end of the season, so you won't get any for some time. And uh, we will move on to the obituaries for the week. So, Catherine, if you could start. Right, okay. <clears throat> Yvonne Fagence, or Fagence, SRN midwife, passed away in hospital on September the 6th, 2018, aged 85 years. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, September the 24th at 10am. No flowers by request, please, but donations, if desired, for the PDSA and Compassion in World Farming may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Goomery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Evelyn Mary Griffiths passed away suddenly on August the 30th, 2018, aged 87. The funeral service will take place at St James the Great Church, Norton, Worcester, on Tuesday, September the 25th at 2pm, followed by burial in the churchyard. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, in aid of the Royal British Legion Poppy Appeal may be left in the donation box or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services 01905 748811. Brian Seymour Jones passed away peacefully on August the 25th, 2018, aged 81 years. The funeral service at Worcester Crematorium 
on Tuesday, September the 25th at 1pm. No flowers by request. Any donations may be sent directly to a charity of your choice. All inquiries to Bedwardine Funeral Services 01905 748 811. Joan Mary Mackey sadly passed away aged 100 years on September the 5th, 2018. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on September the 25th, 2018 at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, to the Alzheimer's Society. All inquiries to George Crump and Son, 01905 773339. Josie Baldwin passed away peacefully at home with her family by her side on September the 13th, 2018, aged 84 years. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, October the 2nd at 11.30am. By request of the family, please wear a splash of colour. Donations, if desired, for Cancer Research UK may be placed in the collection box available at the service. Flowers may be sent to the Cooperative Funeral Care, 17 Lowersmoor, Worcester, WR12RS. Alison Parsonage, nay Hooper, aged 57 years, of Catterick Village, formerly of Rainbow Hill, Worcester, passed away peacefully in hospital on September the 8th. The funeral service is at St Anne's Church, Catterick Village, on Friday, September the 28th at 1.15pm, followed by private cremation. Friends, please meet at the church. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, may be given for Richmond and Catterick, Riding for the Disabled, and St Anne's Church funds. At Alison's request, please wear colourful clothing. Dorothy Stokes passed away peacefully on September the 10th, 2018, aged 90 years. Funeral service to be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, September the 26th at 1.45pm. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for the Donkey Sanctuary may be left in the donations box or sent to Worcester Funeral Service, Unit 6, Kilbury Drive, Worcester, WR5 2NE. And continuing, Anthony Digger passed away peacefully at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on September the 2nd, age 80. The funeral took place on Wednesday, September the 19th. Timothy Jason Hall, known as Tim, passed away peacefully on August the 26th, aged 47. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, September the 27th at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14 1TL. Linda Pitt, nay Lee. Linda died peacefully on September the 7th at Mowbray Nursing Home, Malvern. 
The funeral has taken place today, September the 20th. Donations, if desired, to Worcester Acorns Hospice. Gordon Spilsbury passed away peacefully on September the 2nd, aged 74. His funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday, September the 24th at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations for Prostate Cancer UK may be sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, WR 14, 1TL. Black clothing optional. Rebecca Glenis Vernals, nay Farmer, known as Bex, died suddenly in Worcester on Friday, August the 24th, aged 30. Funeral to take place at Wire Forest Crematorium, DY 13 8DE on Thursday, September the 27th at 1.30pm. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, will go towards a trust fund being set up for the children. Inquiries to A.H. Caldercott and Sons Limited, telephone number 01584 810281. Carol Pauline Dix sadly passed away at St Richard's Hospice on Tuesday, September the 11th, aged 70. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, 26th of September at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice and guide dogs for the blind may be left in the collection box available at the service or sent directly to the charity. Jean Shaw died September the 6th, aged 88 years at Gloucester Hospital. Private family cremation. Service of Thanksgiving on Monday, September the 24th, 2.30pm at St Mary's Church, Lower Slaughter. Family flowers only, however, if desired, donations for Kate's home nursing can be sent to Allen and Son, Bank View, High Street, Morton and Marsh, GL56, O-A-F. Jean Gunnell of Chantry House, Worcester, passed away peacefully in hospital on September the 7th, aged 88 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on September the 27th at 1pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for British Heart Foundation and breast cancer may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. And that completes the obituaries. And Jane, if you would like to do thought for the day, that would be lovely. This is taken from Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Thank you. Uh, Information about sunset. Tonight, sunset time is 7.11, or what's that old time, 19 
11 p.m. I think and light uh, not lighting up sunrise tomorrow is 6:52 a.m. and we finish tonight's recording with birthdays uh, the team would like to wish Anita Gautama a very happy birthday for the 22nd it's a Saturday so have a lovely day and also for next week although you might get wished a happy birthday twice Derek Hunnimborn because your birthday's on the 28th and our next recording my uh, dates are right is the 27th so happy birthday for what will it be Friday Friday week and last of all I'd like to say thank you to everybody to our engineer John uh, Duncan Wynn who does all sorts of work he's uh, in the engineers room at the moment so we must thank him too and of course to all our readers so if you'd like to say good night and thank yes, you goodbye good- from me Catherine goodbye it's Pam here and goodbye from me Jane Goodbye from me, Pippa. Have a good week. <laughs>